Hey there, we're so glad you tuned in today. We would love to hear how God is using this podcast to encourage you. You can do so by visiting our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to freedom. Vincent Van Gogh is a household name in art and masterpieces today. While being a household name, if we look back into history, we realize he only sold one painting in his lifetime to a Belgium art dealer. In his entire lifetime, he sold one painting to an art dealer seven months before he died. The reason he painted so many self-portraits is that he couldn't afford to pay any subjects to pose for him. In 1990, that whole thing changed when one of Van Gogh's paintings sold for $148 million. His works now hang in art museums around the world. Interesting how that changed. Interesting how we go from someone who couldn't even hire a subject to someone that Eventually, their painting went for $148 million. Imagine for a moment with me, if you would, if Van Gogh had stopped painting when he did because of the lack of validation in his life. There are times in our lives that we ourselves don't feel validated. Raise your hand if you've ever felt not validated. Raise your hand if you've ever felt like unappreciated by someone. We've all felt that way one time or another. And some of us are like, I don't even want to raise my hand, Pastor Tony, because I don't feel appreciated right now. Whatever that looks like to you. One thing I can, uh, I can see in our culture today is that someone can post a picture online. If nobody likes it, people take it down. If, if I post a status and nobody shares it, all of a sudden I wonder if I should have even bothered. Listen, if you're waiting for people to validate you, you might be waiting a while. And in Van Gogh's situation, an entire lifetime. Quality is not determined by the quantity of people that like it. I'm going to say that again. Quality is not determined by the quantity of people that like it. The truth is that sometimes that the fact that no one appreciates what you're doing might be a clue to change direction. But other times, the fact that nobody likes what you're doing could be a clue that you're doing things right. That's not for me to decide nor for me to gauge for you. More than a few people have lived their lives waiting for validation from other people just so they can feel, say with me, ordinary. Everybody wants to feel ordinary. I just want to be like everybody. I just want to be. But there's a few in this room that you very much know you are not ordinary. I love this uh, sticker that my, my, my daughter, I don't know where she got it from. She pulled it up one day and said, look, that." She held it up and said, I'm not crazy. My parents had me tested. 
I can assure you we didn't buy it for her. Or did we? I'm not sure. We'll, do, we'll figure that out later. But the truth is that never let the quality of your work be determined by other people's view of your net worth. Hello? I thought I'd get more amens. Do I need to preach longer? Never let the quality of who you are be determined by the quantity of people that like you or seem to like you or some sort of instant response that we're living in this day and age. I want to talk to you about the art of being unordinary. And there is an art to it. Trust me, I've lived it. There's nothing like living a life that's unordinary. Why? Because people, people are attracted to unordinary sometimes. They go, wow, that's so different. Let me recap for a few moments. Let me recap for you a little bit about what we, um, we talked about last week. We talked about ordinary versus unordinary. Thank you. We talked about to be ordinary is to live within the context of the here and now. Everybody say here and now. That is the way many people live their lives, ordinary. Unordinary is to live with the end in mind. Revelation 5.13. We don't live in waiting for the moment right here. Response, the immediate response. We don't want that, look at me now, immediate gratification. And we don't thrive for that. While our culture does, believers shouldn't. Because we don't live for this world. We live for a world that is unseen. And that unseen world is eternal. If you agree with me, say amen. amen. The truth is that our unordinary life is oftentimes exactly what God is looking for. Let's turn to Ephesians 4. I read this text a little bit last week. I want to turn to it again this week. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to begin reading at verse 17. I'm going to give you a minute to turn there. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. And I have uh, some scripture that I want to read and Listen, friends, if you know anything about me, I make no apologies for reading scripture, long texts, because I would rather sit here or stand here and declare the word of God for the next 20 minutes and read from the word than give you just a few thoughts that I have. Because a few thoughts that I have may help you, but the word of God will change you. The word of God will heal you. Amen. Ephesians 4, 17 reads like this. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. This is, um, again, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus and he's talking about the Gentiles because the Gentiles at that time didn't have the word of God. You follow? They didn't have the scriptures. They didn't follow the scriptures or the traditions of God. And so he's saying, don't walk like the Gentiles do because they don't know the truth. Right? So he says this. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Have lo having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way you have learned freedom. 
When you heard about Christ and you're taught about him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. But, watch this, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds is to put on one's new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Watch this, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak what? Truthfully or truth to your neighbor, for we are all members of? And in your anger, do not sin. Do not let sun go down on while you are angry. Greet. Do not give the devil Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Do something useful with your hands for crying out loud. I'm sorry, that's not in there. That last part, that was, uh, I bid, I bid. That they may have something to share with those in need. Watch this last few verses. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Freedom. But only what is helpful for building up others according to what? My own needs? Oh, their needs. You mean we got to think about other people. That's crazy. That it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God for whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. And be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ has forgiven you. I talked a little bit last week. This is kind of a part two offset a little bit of last week where we talked about the art of being unordinary. And one of the things I hit heavy on last week was this last portion of the text. I felt very strongly that that was something we needed to talk about. And here it was. Ready? Don't let unwholesome talk come out your mouth. And in the day in which we live is don't let unwholesome tweets come out your keyboard. Don't let unwholesome status come out your face. I'm not sure how to label that one. It's just there. Because we're living in a world that's very cynical, sarcastic, and we take pleasure in retweeting, reposting, and taking those things and going, I thought this was funny, and sending it out to everybody in a sarcasm at its finest. Now listen, I can take a joke, and I love to have fun. But when something can hurt someone and doesn't represent Jesus well, friends, there's no joke in that. And we as believers, we need to be set apart. We need to be different. And I'm not going to hammer this home again. For those of you that were not here last week, go watch last week's. I'm not going to hit it too hard. But I do, I'm very uh, alarmed by what believers consider funny and okay with posting. But it wasn't bad. It was inspirational. Yes, but it's from a website that's not inspirational in its core. What are you doing following that? What, what, what affiliation does light have with darkness? Pastor Tony, stop being legalistic. I'm not being legalistic. Man. I'm being real. 
I'm being real. I'm telling you right now that we got to be different. We got to act differently. We got to share differently. Share in truth. In this text we look at, let me just kind of take this text where it's at for a moment. Ephesians chapter 4, and as Paul talks to the church at Ephesus, he's talking to them and he says, listen, don't follow the pagan background that maybe you come from or maybe have influence over you. And the truth is, God has an idea of what ordinary is, friends. Are you with me? He knows what ordinary is. People have tried to call themselves believers living ordinary lives. Listen, you can't impact the world living ordinary. You just can't. Because you flow with the traffic too easily. You do what everybody else does. What's the difference between you and me? If everything I do, you do. If everything I say, you say. If all the same music we listen to is the same, and I am a heathen, and you call yourself a Christian, if everything we do is the same, why should I follow your God? He hasn't even changed you. Don't you dare tell him about me. Or tell me about me. All right? But Paul goes on to list three things because that's what good preachers do. They share three things. So let me share with you for a few moments. Three areas that all of us, everybody say all of us. Not one of us, three of us, all of us can achieve to get an unordinary life. Because ordinary is not the will of God for your life. Are you with me? To be ordinary is not the will of God for your life. So watch this. Romans 12.2 tells us this. Romans 12.2 tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Why? Because it's easy. Because it's sinful. Because it's not what God wants for you. Watch this now. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you transform by the renewing of your mind? Watch this. It's by the Holy Spirit's activity and the word of God in your life presently. How you get to have the mind of Christ is you have the favor of God in your life already, and you couple that with the obedience of walking in the scriptures, walking with brothers. Look at me, walking with brothers and sisters that are doing like way, that are doing the same thing you are, walking the same way. And we can never become what God wants us to become by maintaining an ordinary life. The ultimate example was Jesus, and we saw that. I talked a little bit last week of of Jesus being at the well with this lady, right? Some of you may remember that. He was at the well with this lady, an unordinary situation, asked of her for a cup of water. Nobody would have done that. So let's talk about three things right now. Can we talk about that? Because Jesus was our example of unordinary. Because of our mission we too have to be unordinary. So the, one, one, the first thing that I believe we all need to have is unordinary character. Write this down if you're taking notes. It is impossible to live a G-rated life in an R-rated society. If we're saved, we have to know the difference. We have to live a life that, that, that lives in such a way that it... That the smallest of child sees it, or the oldest and mature saints see it, they will see the same thing. Authentic Christian living. Are you hearing me? The fact is that God is looking for people to live authentic lives in a world that's very unauthentic. 
The world that we're living in today puts on a great face. The world that we're living in today puts on a great act. And it's possible to live a G-rated life in an R-rated, raunchy world. First way is to live in our walk, in our walk. Verse 17, the word vanity means madness, pride, or conceit. Vanity means madness, pride, or conceit. The world that we're living in today, right, lives in vanity. It lives in this pride and conceit. It lives in this, I'm going to get mine, you get yours, and let's see. It's the, it's the battle of the fittest, right? But let me encourage you, don't imitate the present evil of this world. Love God, love people, and that is how you change the world. The world is dominated by their thinking that's self-propelled. Us as believers, we have to live a life that is Christ-propelled, Christ-oriented. And friends, that's not easy. Is that right? The moment you want to live and do something right, somebody tempts you with something that seems very easy as an easy way out. Can I tell you, your walk will be compromised very easily if you walk with the people that walk this world. Now, I'm not saying don't gather with people because Christ Jesus himself gathered with people. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about walking the journey of life with people that don't believe like you. Because somewhere along the journey, you will be hurt, you will be harmed, and if they, don't, they can't offer you some sort of Christ-centered hope, you're going to take a secular advice, and it's going to affect your life. You need to watch where you pull advice from. Is that true? How many, raise your hand if you ever got bad advice from someone, you took it, and you were like, what was I thinking? Right? You ever, some of you are smiling when you look at me like, it was painful. You took bad advice from someone. And you're thinking to yourself, what was I thinking? Listen, your walk can be compromised. Be very careful. Well, in our wisdom, on ordinary wisdom, listen, a picture of tragic hopelessness is a world that doesn't want wisdom. I just want what I want. I don't want wisdom. Here's Solomon who had everything. And you know what he said? God, he loved God so much. God said, ask of me anything. He said, I have everything. Give me wisdom. I want wisdom. I want to know how to make the right decisions. I have stuff. I don't want stuff anymore. Give me wisdom so that I may make the right decisions I need to make in my life. Young people, look at me. If you want to ask God for anything today, ask him for wisdom. God, show me what is right and what is wrong. Show me what is righteous. And what is wrongeth? That is King James for what is wrong. I'm not sure, but that's for the sake of this. Wrongeth. Write that down. Wrongeth. God, give me wit, wisdom so that I may stand and know exactly what I'm supposed to do when I'm supposed to do it. Now listen, there's nothing more irritating than to want God's will and not know it, right? There's very few things in this world when you're like, God, I want to follow your will. I just don't know what that looks like. 
If you've ever been looking for a job or have a choice between two jobs or, or a choice between two people, I don't know what that looks like. Okay, let's just be honest. There's always choices out there. Okay, choices of two this and two that. Lord, which path am I taking? I, I really want to do this. There's a lot of money in that, but I don't love it. There's this path over here. And, 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 and so, you ever been there? Career, money, or passion? This way or that way. And so all of a sudden, you cry out, God, show me your will. That's frustrating when you don't feel like you got an answer. But you know where you often find your answer? In the calm of your prayer times. Because we're so busy running. We can't ask God for wisdom. We're asking him for a quick, like, text. God, can you just text me my next step, please? Because I'm on the go. Right? I do that with my wife sometimes. And she's like, okay, pick this up and pick that up. After three, you lost me. I'm just going to be honest. She tells me, go to the grocery store and I'll just pick up a few things. A few things? A few things? They lost me after three. And she's like, oh, and pick up. Oh, and pick up. Oh, and we need. Okay, no, time out. You done lost me at like the third thing you said. So you know what I say? Text me what you need while I go. When you finish your list, text me that list. Why? Because I just want to get to my destination and, and, and complete my task. Mission accomplished. Hello? All the men know what I'm talking about? Some of you ladies too, right? Some of you ladies too. Some of you are like, don't, don't be hating on me. I'm let me, let me just accomplish a task here. I want to do that, right? And so I'm like, Lisha, just, just text me what we need. I'll go get it. And so I show up there. And you know, the worst thing is if you got a list, right? And then I fulfill the list. And then afterwards, she's like, oh, yeah, and get this. And I don't get that till I'm in the car. And then I'm like, oh, I got to go get lettuce. And I go back in. I didn't look at it because I'm, I'm mission, mission. That's me. That's on me. I'm mission, 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 right? Do you approach God that way? God, I don't really have time to pray. Just text me what I'm supposed to do because I'm going somewhere. I'm, I'm headed this direction, God, and I got a lot of things to do. So just, just message me what you need me to do and how you need me to live for you. And tell me who I'm supposed to date and tell me what job I'm supposed to get and Tell me what I'm supposed to do with my eternity in this world, right? And so we ask God all these things on the run. The truth is we have to work. Some of it it has to be work. You have to stop and you have to ask God, Lord, in my work, keeping the desires of God in my life aflame. For those of you that have been in Christianity long enough, you realize Sometimes you just have to fan the flames in your heart. Because it's very easy that that stuff will go away. And you know, you need somebody in your life to fan flames. You ever had a flame almost go out and you blow on it? And it kind of comes to life again. You need someone to breathe on your life. Unordinary character. Second thought is this. Unordinary conduct. Two things that scripture tells us, put off. Put off the things of this world. And then the second thing it says, put on. It says, put off. That's to say, change your outlook. Change what you're doing normally. But when you put on, put on truthfulness. Put on forgiveness. Watch this. Put on honesty. 
You want to live an unordinary life? You want to live a life that's pleasing to God? Look at me. Live your life in a way that you put off the world and put on the Christ. Put off the things of this world and put on the things that God says put on. I know this, this message is not a hooting and hollering message, and I have no intention on, on hooting and hollering this morning. I just want you to hear my heart, that the Word of God teaches us how to live godly lives. And sometimes it may not look that fiery or exciting, but I guarantee you that if you live your life right before God, there's plenty of celebration at the end. Can I get an amen in the house? Come on, somebody. See, unordinary means having unordinary character, unordinary conduct, because your conduct's about putting off and putting on. Putting off and putting on. How many know that every day of your life you have to put off? What are you talking about, Pastor Tony? I have to put off pride. I have to put off anger. I have to put off fear. I have to put off anxiety. Everyone in this room, I'm just mentioning the things that the body of Christ and anybody has to deal with, right? I have to put off feeling of, uh, inferior to people around me. I have to put off lust. I have to put off bitterness and unforgiveness. I have to put off all those things every day. I have to put it off, put it off. Because this world is offering it at a low, low cost. At least it looks like that. On the outset. But you know what it's really costing you? Everything you have. The third thing is simply this. Not only unordinary character and conduct. But unordinary conversation. You want to live an unordinary life. Friends look at me. We have to watch everything that we do. That doesn't mean again being legalistic in, in some ways or religious overtones. I have, to be, I have to speak with Christianese. You know what Christianese is, right? Where these words that, that Christians, some Christians have been in the faith a long time, they use. And you're going, what? I just prayed. Brother, did you, did you intercede today? What does that mean? Prayer. It's just another word. It's just spelled differently, right? Did you walk in sanctification? What does that mean? Did you clean out your room? Did you clean out your house? Did you get rid of some things that are not right in your life? Those words are great. They're fantastic if you understand them. If you don't, then you're like me. When I first got saved, I was like, why do they pray? I just want to know Jesus. And people are like, I magnify you, Lord. I'm like, magnify what? I I didn't bring a magnifying glass. I rebuke you, Satan. What is going on? Satan? I just want to love Jesus. What is that rebuke? Repent. Oh my goodness. What does that mean? But people were saying these words and I was trying to figure it out. You ever been there? Come on, those of you that grew up in the church, maybe you know these words or you know what they mean. I was 15 going, what? I 
went to my first Pentecostal church. I was in the front row. Somebody fell. I said, is anyone going to help her up? And then they put a sheet over her. And I said, Lord, I got to go. Somebody died in here. And I was getting ready to go until she got up. And I said, Lord. I can get it. Surrender. I get it. You fall over. Sheets. Then you get up. Unordinary. I didn't know people fell under the power of God. And they were blessed when they got up. They were like, I'm so blessed. And I'm going, thank God. (laughs) Woo. Heavens to Betsy. I wasn't in that culture. I didn't understand it. And what I realized in my life is there's so much more I didn't experience yet. And if you walked into this room today and you're saying to yourself, there's so much I haven't experienced yet. I want you to know that that's very true. If you walked in here and you think you know it all, I'm sorry to tell you, you don't. I've been in Christianum, I, I consider a decent amount of time and I still haven't figured it all out. I get to lead a body of believers that want to find out more. And if you walked in here this morning, if I could have the media team just play something light in the background here. If you walked in here this morning and you're saying to yourself, you know, I don't really know what that means or what that looks like. I don't really understand it. I want you to know that your character, your conduct, and your conversation, you can't get that right without knowing who Jesus is. I will never put this demand on people who don't know who Jesus is. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Because I'm asking them to do something and pull from an experience they've never had. I'm tired of telling the world to repent without telling the church to start first. Because the world is looking for authentic lifestyle. And if we're not ourselves living the life the way God intended it, they don't want the God you talk about. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The art of unordinary, uh, the unordinary life is simply this. I have discovered that ordinary is not enough to win my friends. The fact that I was unordinary was the reason why some of my friends, when I came to Christ, came to me and said, hey, Tony, let me talk to you for a minute. All the friends were gone, and they would say, 
this Christian thing you've been involved in, this God thing. Tell me more about that. Listen, friend, I didn't have all the answers. I didn't know what repent, rebuke, sanctify. I didn't know what all that meant. Here's what I didn't know. I didn't know that Jesus changed my life. And I took that and I said, Jesus is what has changed my life. And here's what he did. He accepted me right where I was. He took my sin and removed it as far as the east is from the west. And he gave me life. And with that life that he offered and he gave me, it's the same life I offer you. And they were just stood there like, I didn't know anything else. I just know what I experienced. And that same experience I pass on to you. If you walked in here and you thought an ordinary life is good enough, you're going to live your life entirely that way and you're never going to be able to reach the potential God is wanting you to reach. But to live a life that is unordinary, it breaks the mold. And some people won't know what that's like until you break the mold. So I dare you today. No, no, I double dare you. Dare I, triple dog dare you to take a good look at your life and say, have I figured this thing out yet? Because Paul, as he was talking to the church at Ephesus, you realize who he was talking to? Believers. People who call themselves Christians to live on ordinary lives. So I... I propose this to you today. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Tony, I never really give my life to Jesus. And, and I know this room, I see this room, and there's a lot of faces I don't know in this room today. I'm so, so glad you came to be a part of Freedom Today. I know some of you known Jesus a long time. I know when I got saved and I came to Jesus, I got saved like 62 times my first year. You can't really do that. <laughs> you either receive Jesus or you don't, but I did like 62, just to be safe, just to be sure. I came to every altar call. I'm like, I can't not respond to this one because he said something real good. So I just walk up there and say, I need Jesus. Once I figure out these big words, then I'll, I'll figure it out. But at this point, I'm just going to come to Jesus at every chance I get. But maybe you haven't had that opportunity. And I wanted to give you that chance here today. But I'm going to pray first. And I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm going to call for a decision today. If you live your life in a way that is ordinary and you think, you know what, I just want to be a good person. I just want to look at the scriptures and say, you know what, I want to follow some of those principles in my life. And that's good. But if you want life more abundantly and you want Jesus not just to kind of like be your covering because that's what a lot of people want. Most people want Jesus to be their covering. In other words, I want insurance that after I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But did you know that he can be more than that? He wants to be your Lord, your master, your king. And that's where you move him from covering to your savior. And that's where I want to move you to. So let's pray. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to make a call this morning. I'm going to cut the feet right after this prayer. And here it is. Are you ready? Pray with me all across this room. Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person at the sound of my voice that if there's anyone in this room that has lived an ordinary life, 
that wants to move from ordinary to unordinary. From living in this mold to breaking the mold. From normal everyday life to living a supernatural life. God, I pray today you would move them today from one to the other. It's in Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said.